Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome everyone to the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined by the Liverpool.com editor, Matt Addison, to continue our series of deep dives into Liverpool's midfielders as Liverpool try and rebuild their midfield ahead of next season. And the midfielder we're going to talk about today is a player who's been in the news quite um, substantially this week in Fabio Cavallio. A lot of the players we've talked about in recent weeks haven't necessarily made that many headlines of late, but Cavallio is certainly an exception to that. And we'll talk about the sharp change in how his Liverpool career was going um, back in the autumn. And then we'll talk about really what we think his future holds at Anfield because that has been cast into a high degree of uncertainty in the past sort of few days and weeks. So, Matt, let's begin by casting our minds back to last, I think it was May when when Liverpool announced initially that they were going to be signing Fabio Cavallo, a deal that cost £7.7 with add-ons from Fulham. And if we remember, Liverpool had tried to sign him originally in the January transfer window. I think there was a sort of rush to get the paperwork through at the deadline. That didn't happen. And then Liverpool were able to sort of get him through the door straight away at the start of the window. And there was quite a lot of hype within the fan base. This was a player who had made the championship team of the season. Obviously, Fulham promoted, I believe, as championship winners and also scored 10 goals and provided eight assists in 36 games as only a teenager, which is obviously an excellent return. So, if you can sort of transport yourself back to that moment when the announcement was made, how excited were you about the transfer? Yeah, very, very much so. Um, he was obviously one that Liverpool went for at the end of January and then ran out of time to get that done. And we weren't quite sure. There was a lot of, of interest. I think Borussia Dortmund were in for him. There was a few other Premier League teams as well. But I suppose it was a kind of excitement that comes from that kind of player in that kind of position. I think he's slightly different to what Liverpool have had in sort of midfield areas, well, obviously he's very different, which has kind of, you know, been almost to his detriment, I think, in the second half of, of this season. But he's kind of one of those players that automatically gets you excited. He scores, he creates, he's very silky. He's very, very sort of um, almost like a, a South American type player in terms of, of his style, which Liverpool don't have, you know, a huge amount of, of those kinds of players in those positions. So, he naturally, I think, generated a lot of interest and a lot of um, sort of anticipation, really, of, of where he would fit into this Liverpool team, what his, his role would look like and, and how he would be immediately, which I think we've not quite got the answer to that just yet. Um, but there's certainly a very talented player there. And we know 
you know, a year on from signing in. Liverpool don't want to to let him go on a permanent deal if it was to be something where he could go out on loan potentially. You know, Jurgen Klopp's spoken about that. And I think that's the, the right way as, as we'll come to sort of his future and, and where he fits in next season. Liverpool really desperately wanted to get him. They beat off a lot of competition to get him a year on. It's it's not quite worked out, but I think there's definitely, you know, a really good player in there and all of the kind of general attributes that you want from a kind of attacking player in the final third. He's not necessarily shown it at Liverpool yet, but like you said before, you know, 10 goals, 8 assists as a teenager in a difficult league like the Championship, you know, that's that's not to be sniffed at, I don't think, in terms of, of those numbers. And it's interesting really to, to reflect on, on how that transfer went because the fact that Liverpool went for him in January in the first place felt like basically a plan for the summer that had been brought forward to avoid one of those other clubs, you know, you mentioned Dortmund there, actually, you know, nipping in ahead of Liverpool and, and getting the sign in. And then for Liverpool to sort of come back to it as well, I suppose, shows how desperate they were to sign him. And I suppose that kind of transmitted in the the amount of excitement there was, like we say. And we'll come to that that point that you mentioned about sort of the fit within the Liverpool setup. But if we kind of recap how the, the first few weeks at Anfield went, I mean, I mentioned at the outset that there was a really sort of stark change um, in the autumn for Cavalio after what was a really promising first few weeks. So it was a, came off the bench first three games and it was actually one of Liverpool's sort of best players in that period. You know, Liverpool started the season with two draws and one defeat from their opening three matches, but Cavalio's cameos off the bench were an, an outstanding positive from those games. Um, he got gets his first goal at Anfield on just his second Anfield appearance against Bournemouth, obviously in that 9-0 win. And then I think only sort of three days later, obviously the goal against Newcastle. And that felt like sort of, I think I might have said at the time, it felt like almost the the moment that launches a player's career, almost akin to that Trent Alexander-Arnold free kick against Hoffenheim or something like that. Um, and became at the time the youngest player to score a stoppage time winner for Liverpool in the Premier League. Um and subsequently, I'm the start in the Merseyside derby. I mean, six days after his 20th birthday as well. I mean, that was a huge show of faith from Klopp, regardless of maybe a couple of injuries in that department, and kept his place for three of the next five games after that. So there was a period there where he was arguably seen as in, you know, Klopp's strongest 11. And at that stage, Matt, it felt like Cavalio was going to be kind of a revelation and, and that Liverpool had done what they've done so many times in the Jürgen Klopp era and pulled off a bit of a transfer masterclass, especially for the fee that they paid. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's easy to forget, you know, quite how much he played, you know, the, the kind of, the, the games that stood stood out to me really when I think back of, of his uh, of his first season at Liverpool really is kind of the, the, the Champions League games that he played a couple of games within the group stage. I think he, did he start the, the game against Rangers in the, the Champions League away? I think away from that. one seven one and there was a couple of performances and moments where it kind of started to, to click for him but, but didn't quite get into to that rhythm and obviously in the, the second half the, the, the game time has, has fallen away but that's kind of what I mean when I say you know he's he's got all of, of the attributes he's got all of the things that he'd want him to, to have it's just a case of, of pulling that together and I think it, it will be far far too early from a Liverpool perspective I, we know for a fact that they don't want to, to lose him permanently I think it was in the Times, Paul Joyce, that the line was, you know, Liverpool don't want to lose him because they see him as a future starter, as someone that can can play, you know, regular football for Liverpool. And it's just the case of, you know, he's he's a very young player. You've only got to look at Curtis Jones to think that, you know, two months ago, I wrote a piece that kind of said, 
you know, I, I'm not quite sure what the future holds for him. Don't think I can really see him, you know, starting regularly. Don't know where he gets a, a run of games from. You know, it, it, it's a similar sort of thing with Fabio Cavallo at the moment. You're not quite sure where that run of games that he needs will come. Maybe it has to be, you know, he goes out on loan for a season and, and maybe has, you know, a similar sort of season to what he had with Fulham before he came to Liverpool. But I do think there is, you know, a, a real talent in there. Obviously, at this moment in time, he's not quite found his position. He's not quite been able to be in the starting eleven week in, week out. But I don't think that's necessarily what you should have expected from him when he came in. I think in an ideal world, Harvey Elliott wouldn't have played every single week. He's a, a similar one. We're not quite sure where his best position is. I know he started or, or played a part in, I should say, the, the first 30 games of this season and, and kind of tailed off himself towards the end of it. But, you know, for, for a 20-year-old player, you shouldn't be necessarily the first name on the team sheet for, for Liverpool. I think that that would be exceptional to, to do that. So if he can kind of get himself into a position where it's halfway between the numbers that you're talking about there, where he starts three and five in the Premier League compared to, to not playing anything at all. I think it's it's just about getting that balance right. And like I say, Curtis Jones is the perfect example of, you know, these things can change very quickly. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, and I remember um, one of our colleagues wrote a piece and spoke to one of Cavallio's old coaches. And I think one of the, the headlines from that was Cavallio is the player who, who was targeting winning the Ballon d'Or, you know, and, and that is the best summary of the confidence he has in his own ability. But despite that, I think the start to his Liverpool career probably surpassed even his own expectations in terms of the amount of responsibility he was given so quickly. Um, but then things, you know, I mentioned that run of three three starts from five matches, but after that run had concluded, and I think that concluded in the 1-0 defeat against Nottingham Forest, obviously one of the, the poorest of, of Liverpool's many defeats last season. Cavallio's since then only played 11 minutes in the Premier League, and almost to make matters worse, in a way that wasn't that wasn't even in one game, that was across three matches, so he's barely figuring at all. He hasn't even made the match day squad seven times, um, and the clubs haven't really been a reprieve for him. I mean, he was only involved in one of the three FA Cup ties Liverpool played. Liverpool were out of the Carabao Cup as well before he could really make too much of an impact in that competition. I know he scored against Man City, but again, it was a very early exit. Um, and then the Champions League as well, only three minutes um, from that point onwards. And then there was obviously that sort of uh, quite controversial decision from Klopp to put him on against Real Madrid when I think there was only nine seconds left um, on the clock. And a lot of people sort of saw that. I maybe saw that as well as a moment that summed up his need to, to to go out on loan. But we will, we will come on to what we think Liverpool should do with him. But why did things change? Do you see it, Matt? I mean, I think one quite common theory is that Klopp maybe came to view Cavalier was not necessarily physically ready to, to play that high a volume of football. But it was, I mean, does that explain why there was such a sharp drop-off? Because he really plummeted to the very bottom of the pecking order. Yeah, I think that's that's part of it, definitely. Um, I think there's definitely an argument that 
you know, can you afford to, to play him in certain matches, particularly away from home? Maybe he's not necessarily the fastest player. He's not the tallest or the strongest. He's got, you know, a slightly different skill set. And I think the other thing really is just his, his position. He's not quite, you know, a left forward, but Liverpool have got loads of options there anyway. In midfield, there's been so many other changes this season. I think it would have been a bit of a risk to, to bring someone like him in. There is the argument that, why have they done it then with Curtis Jones? But then he's been there for, for three seasons. He's had you know lots of, of practice within that role. It's a very, very complex thing that you've got to draw, you know, a number of different skills and, and pull them all together. And you know, it's taken Curtis three years to, to put together a result, uh, a, a string of, of performances where the result of that has been that he's managed to find that consistency. So I think it's it's a combination of, of those two things, really. And if you're not quite physically there, to be able to, to sort of trust yourself in, in that position, it's then very difficult to to, oppor- to, see, to see those opportunities coming on a, a regular basis. I think you've got to to kind of have one or the other. If if he wasn't the most consistent, but you could kind of trust him in, in certain matches, maybe that's where you get his minutes. As it happens, it's not been you know the, the case with, with either of those two things. So I think at some point, all of these players, I think Jones pretty much now has nailed down that position as that's his best role. I think Harvey Elliott at some point is going to have to work out what that is. And it's the same for, for Fabio Carvalho as well. It's it's hard though, because, you know, even if, even if he was to go somewhere else, they wouldn't necessarily play with an out-and-out number 10, which I think that's pretty much the only role that he really excelled in for, for Fulham was just playing off the striker. There's not really that many teams that, that play with that sort of position. Even if you do, you're going to have to be, you know, basically the best in the world at doing that to, to do that at Liverpool. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a combination of factors, I think. But for, for him, none of that should have been a surprise, I don't think. I don't think he should have come into Liverpool expecting that he would play every single week. I don't think Liverpool would have expected him to, to physically be ready because, you know, he's, he's obviously proven physical enough to do it in the Championship, but he is still very young. There's, as I say, loads of other players at, at Liverpool in recent seasons who've had similar issues. So, I don't know, it's, it, it's a combination of things, really, but... I think crucially for me, none of them are insurmountable. There's enough evidence there to think that, you know, in a couple of years' time, he's grown a little bit. He's got used to the role. Probably that sort of left-sided attacking number eight position is the one that I think is is most likely for him to succeed in. But again, there's there's loads of competition. But that's just the case at Liverpool. It doesn't matter what position it is. If you want to play for Liverpool regularly, you're going to have to be one of the best players in the world. Yeah, it's it, it seems almost reductively simple. In an age where you know we we look at players sort of underlying statistics so much and and analyze them in such forensic detail to say that Cavalio maybe isn't kind of there physically, but I guess just kind of on the naked eye, just watching him, there just may, is maybe too many occasions where he is kind of um, sort of physically dominated by by some of his opponents, and that kind of I suppose isn't too much of a surprise in light of you know you look at he's not necessarily the tallest player, he is sort of quite quite thin as well um so again maybe, maybe there's an argument there that he just needs to learn because you know having a build like Cavalio and and people have said this about Harvey Elias as well you know it shouldn't disqualify you from playing in a Premier League midfield I mean look at players like um Bernardo Silva for example um it's about sort of developing I suppose that um that core strength and being able to to use your body in a certain way um that allows you to kind of still compete so I think and we'll come on to his future, like we've said. But a lone move in the Premier League could be ideal in that sense because 
you kind of get that experience and developing that maybe that know-how that you need and it's going to sort of allow them to sort of adjust to, to the rigors of of the division i suppose um so you touched on it there matt in your answer in terms of the fit so i think there's a couple of, of things to touch on with this because on one level you wonder why liverpool did pursue him so vigorously because they don't play with a number 10 and it's proven to be an issue this year. I mean, people might have said at the outset, well, hang on, where, where does he sort of slot into this team? And as we've said, he hasn't found that role. Um, so I suppose we'll touch on that. But also, is there a, I mean, you, you said it there, about that kind of left side of number eight role. Is it strange to see that there's talk of him kind of not being at Liverpool next season, whether that's a permanent transfer or a loan? Um in light of the fact that they have moved to a system that is maybe more accommodating of an attacker midfielder with obviously that that extra presence behind them with with Fabinho and and Trent Alexander-Arnold there. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewellery, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Yeah, I think so. And it's it's a surprise to me as well, because I'd like to think that in the Europa League group stages next season, Liverpool can use a few of these players. He's Mm. definitely not the only one that I'd look at. I think Kelleher is one that you think maybe that just tips the balance in favour of, we say, you're going to get the six games in the group stage as a minimum. And obviously Liverpool would hope to progress and then you could give him more opportunities in the the knockout phase. But I think that's what I would do with Cavalio is say, look, we're going to make changes. We're going to not necessarily play a first choice 11 in that Europa League group stage because... You know, without being disrespectful to some of the teams that are in that competition, Liverpool should be able to, to breeze through the Europa League group phase fairly easily. You know, playing Kelleher, Gomez, Simicast. I think there's a number of players who've kind of been on the edges of the squad. If Liverpool had been in the Europa League this season, for example, would you know someone like Takumi Minamino have been happier to stay around and, and play a part in that? I think there's definitely an argument. So, I think that's what I would be looking at. I'd say, look. I know you've not played loads in the second half of the season, but just stick around. You'll get those games. Hopefully, Liverpool won't draw Manchester City early on in one of the domestic cups. Hopefully, they can get a couple of, of decent results in, in that. And suddenly, you can kind of start to make the argument for you'll get you know six to, to eight, lots of 90 minutes. If you impress in those games, we'll start to look at you know Premier League appearances and you know being involved in, in squads and coming off the bench there. And then maybe if it's it's still not happened by January, he's then in a position where maybe the second half of, of next season, you, you say to them, you know, go out on, on loan and, and, and go out and play regularly somewhere. But I don't know, it's it, it's a tricky one because you don't want to stand in his way if he's desperate to, to go and play football straight away. Yes, Liverpool will make changes in the Europa League group stage, but equally they will hopefully bring in, you know, two, maybe three midfielders this summer. You've got existing ones who are there. I think as we've discussed on this podcast previously, there's still players like Thiago that you're not quite sure where they fit into this system. There are, you know, loads and loads of options for Liverpool, but I think if I was was him, I'd be a little bit more patient. And I think that's probably what Liverpool would prefer, to be honest, is that, you know, you could keep him for the first half of, of next season and 
bed him in and, and, and see where he fits in, essentially. I think that would, would make the most sense to me because, like you say, they've got a position now that you think is most suited to him apart from you know number 10, which they don't really have. I think the, the two kind of attacking number eight positions, he is one that you'd look at and think is, is a big winner of that because the, there's not... There's not loads of players at the moment anyway. Obviously, they can go out and, and sign players this summer, and they will do, but there's not loads of players in that squad. I think him, Elliot, Jones, those are the three that you think are really suited to, to playing in those positions. One or two of the others, you're not quite sure. I'm certainly not sure on, on Henderson in that role. Thiago, I don't think, is, is necessarily that well suited to it. So you'd think that the changes would play into his hands, but at the same time, it does look like he's he's maybe pushing to, to make an exit, and, and I'm sure there'll be you know, plenty of interest, and, and hopefully it is alone rather than a permanent, because, like I say, I think he's got a high enough ceiling to come back in and, and make a real impact. It's interesting then to, I mean, we've kind of established now that the links have come at a strange time, because Cavalio should be a winner of Liverpool qualifying for the Europa League, like you say. I mean, if you were, if you were rattling off a list of, of players who could actually benefit and might actually be glad for Liverpool to, to be in that composition in a certain way. He'd probably be right up there at the top of it. And also the the changes is to remember we did a um a podcast about Harvey Elliott and we said similar things and, and a lot of people would say that those two midfielders are pretty pretty similar in that sense. Um so let's kind of get our teeth into Liverpool's transfer planning um and Cavalio for the next few weeks for the summer. Um, so here's the current state of play based on the reports that we've read this week. Um, I'm recording this on, on the 1st of June. So David Lynch has reported that Liverpool want to keep Cavalio um, on their books in some capacity. So whether that's kind of um, in, in the squad or or um, obviously, you know, out on loan, but still a Liverpool player. However, they have told him that he's not going to figure heavily next season. It sounds like it might actually be more of the same if he was to stick around at Anfield. There's apparently interest um in terms of taking him on loan from West Ham, Brentford and Burnley, obviously Burnley newly promoted, but Cavalio has, has reservations about those moves because he doesn't think, you know, as a loan player, he's going to get that much game time, which I suppose is an interesting dimension to it. And as such, he's prepared to reluctantly leave Liverpool because it was sort of a dream move for him. Um, he's prepared to reluctantly make a permanent move and, on the permanent move fronts, um, you mentioned the Paul Joyce's report earlier, Matt. Another line from that was that there's been a derisory offer from RB Leipzig. So Liverpool probably not making too much um, profit based on the fee that they paid last summer. So in light of all of that, Matt, I think maybe you hinted at it earlier, but what would be your approach if you were sort of the decision maker on this um, Cavalio issue? I mean, how would you kind of play it for next season? Yeah, I mean, like I say, I think I'd keep him the first half of the season, see how it goes, reassess in January, and then maybe look to, to loan him out. I think it's interesting that, you know, this season it, it probably would have worked out best if he'd have stayed at, at Liverpool um, and, and maybe gone out in the second half, maybe to a Fulham or someone like that, gone back to, to where he was. They've obviously done a lot better. You know, I think, you know, some of the options you've listed there, you think of West Ham, Brentford, Burnley, I'm a little bit unsure of. I've not seen loads of them in the Championship, but you know, as much as you know, they have won that division, they've done really well with Vincent Company. I think it will be a bit more of a struggle for them. I think you'd like to see him go to a team which, you know, possibly a West Ham or a Brentford would be a bit more of a realistic one in terms of playing a type of football which is going to suit him. 
I'm not saying necessarily Burnley are the stereotypical Burnley of, of what they have been in previous times when they've been in the Premier League, but you'd probably imagine that they're not going to have loads of possession. They're not going to have games where they're really, really dominant. Um, I, I think Cavalio has to, to go to a team which is a little bit more like Liverpool than than that um, in terms of you know being able to, to pick up the numbers and, and the assists and, and the goals. That's when he's excelled, has been at the top end of, of the Championship. I think you need to... to Obviously, not being the championship, being the Premier League, but but being a team which is is going to be dominant. So, I think that's the way that I would look at it. Um, if they did have to sell him, you'd have to look at a buyback clause. Yeah. I know there's there's been previous examples. I was a big fan of of Harry Wilson. Still am, to be honest. I think he's he's a really good player, but you know Liverpool decided to to let him go, and, and he wasn't wasn't quite up to the standard. It kind of feels a bit like this one if they were to to let him go, but. I can't remember whether there was a, a buyback clause within that one, but I think you definitely have to, to have it with Cavalio just as, as a peace of mind type thing. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be reluctant to, to sell him outright and, and just let him go for all the reasons that we've discussed on the show. I think, you know, there's, there's still a real, real talent there. And if Liverpool were to reluctantly say, OK, we'll let you go, I'm pretty sure, you know, we, we've listed four or five teams there that are interested. I'm pretty sure that list would be, you know, closer to, to 40 or 50 teams that would look at him because the, the talent is there, the quality is there. Just because he's not necessarily getting minutes regularly for Liverpool doesn't mean he couldn't go to a Champions League club. You know, Porto, I think, wanted him before he, he came to Liverpool as well. You know, you could see him going to a league like that and being absolutely exceptional and, and suddenly you're wondering why he's been, been let go. So I think definitely I would be looking to, to keep him ideally, but if he is really that desperate, probably alone. And if it comes to it, definitely, if you are going to sell him, obviously make it a bit of money. I know we're going to come on to how much exactly it would be sort of worthwhile Liverpool getting for him, but you know, whatever it would be, you'd have to have a buyback clause within that, I think. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I, I can't remember if, if there was one on the um, Harry Wilson deal. There was definitely one when Liverpool sold Ryan Brewster to uh, Sheffield United. That one never became, never got really got discussed again because he, he's really struggled when he went there. I think there may have been a buyback clause for Ryan Kent, but I'm, don't quote me on that one. Obviously, he I think he went to Rangers. Um, so it's not something Liverpool have done loads and loads or certainly kind of to public knowledge. Um, but I agree with you, Matt, in that if Liverpool... Do sell him sort of permanently, ostensibly. Then uh, it, it should definitely be something they insist on because even if he isn't going to be someone who figures, then you can't necessarily lose out on what could be kind of a huge payday if he does um, sort of really fulfil his potential. So, I mean, you mentioned it there, Matt. Is there a kind of a number that you would sort of look at for this particular summer and think you know that's fair? If, for example, a club gave Liverpool a chance to, to double. The money that they paid last summer offered 15 million, said that they were willing to accept the buyback clause. Is that something Liverpool should be sort of open to taking, especially because obviously they've got plenty of business that needs to be done this summer? And when you look at it, there aren't many players who jump out as being a potential source of, of funds. Yeah, I think I think 15 is probably what you'd, you'd expect. Um, in my head, I had maybe sort of 15 to, to 20. Maybe that's sort of the figure that you'd be looking at. I think it's such a hard one to assess. You've got to assess him in the sense of he was coming towards the end of his contract at Fulham. There was an opportunity to get him on a cut price deal. Liverpool didn't value him at, you know, five million plus an extra couple in, in add-ons. 
you know, they valued him as being higher than that. Fulham would have done as well, but they were sort of backed into a corner in terms of, of the valuation of him. So it's a hard one. Um, you know, the, there's players in the championship now that take the step up to the Premier League and they cost, you know, upwards of, of 20, 25. I think Ollie Watkins was, you know, early 30s in terms of the, the millions when he went to Villa. There's been you know, lots of, of examples of, of players that have stepped up and, and cost a fair bit of money. It's, it's not the case now that you can just go to the championship and, and get those sorts of players. So even if you just took this year out of it for Liverpool, you know, you are talking about a player who was viewed this time a year ago as being, you know, the outstanding player within the championship, mm-hmm. a player who probably at the time his, his market value would have been probably about 15 or 20 that's that's kind of where I would would put it at and obviously he's still very young he's got more experience since then he's played in the Champions League he's trained with Liverpool for a year which I think has to, to count for something I suppose it, it just comes down to, to where that interest is from I mean if you're you know Leipzig maybe you can afford to pay 15 or 20 for him I know they're not in a, a perfect sort of FFP position but you'd imagine they'd probably sell one or two players and, and be able to reinvest that money that probably makes a little bit of sense, but I don't know. If you're Burnley, I think it's it's probably going to be a loan rather than a, a kind of attempt to buy. Um, I don't know. It, it's a hard. Would you say sort of fifteen to twenty is, is kind of realistic? Do you think I, it, it's a hard one to know because you, you're putting a price on a player that you don't really want to sell, so you don't want to put it down too low because the idea is that you kind of ward off potential suitors anyway. Well, to be honest. I would look more at a 20 if it, if it was down to me. But I, I'm just thinking back to the previous windows when we've been trying to sell Nat Phillips, Minamino, Origi um, and other players like that. And sometimes I think when it is sort of your club, you can kind of overestimate the market in a way. I mean, we've talked for years about Liverpool trying to get 15 million for Nat Phillips and then the offers come in and they're sort of, you know, seven, eight million and things like that. So I suppose 15 is one you look at and think, probably lower limits in terms of what you would take, but also kind of a, probably a realistic reading of, of the player's value at this moment in time. And it would be interesting to see what that buyback figure would be because you're not really going to get anyone buying a player for 15 million and then saying you can buy him back for 30 because then that doesn't really make business sense. So it, the buyback would probably be a figure where it's like Cavalier would have to really explode for Liverpool to actually trigger it, you would have thought. Otherwise, they might just not view the operation as worthwhile. And, I, and to be fair... I mean, we probably don't see buyback clauses triggered all that much in football. And it would, like we said earlier, just be sort of a safety mechanism, I suppose. Um, but one last question then, um, before we finish. There was a quote in Klopp's press conference uh, before the Southampton game, which sort of stuck with me a little bit. So he actually raved about Cavalli. He said, no player has impressed me more. Um, just because, you know, of the application he'd shown in training, <coughs> excuse me, um, despite his limited minutes. And he then he added, <clears throat> sorry, he added, this very talented boy came here with big dreams and big expectations and it didn't work out. His work ethic will give him a fantastic career, which on the face of it is, you know, you know, high praise. But then you, you look at it and you think that sounds a little bit like he's already gone in a certain way. So reading that and hearing that and having this discussion, such a, such an in-depth discussion as well about Cavalio's future, and one that we didn't expect to necessarily be having a year after he came. I mean, surely Matic can't actually bode well for his future. You know, the, the club might be saying that they view him as a, a long-term starter, but all the noises, all the other noises, I suppose, around Cavalio at the moment wouldn't necessarily suggest that. 
The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I think that would be a fair assessment. I think that is the quote as well that, that stood out to me. It doesn't sound like he's sort of saying, yeah, he's, he's got an immediate future here. You know, his work ethic will give him a fantastic career. It doesn't necessarily sound like he's he's thinking that that will be at Liverpool. But I don't know, it's, it's too early to, to write him off. And I think the one thing I haven't mentioned up to this point is part of the rationale around sending him out on loan, if that's what it comes to next season. I think part of, of that would be his stock has, has probably fallen a little bit because he's not played. But if you send him out on loan and he has a good season next season, his value could increase a lot, even if he doesn't get to the level that you think, yeah, we want to bring him back next summer and put him into the Liverpool team again. At the very sort of lowest point of that, you'd expect that a, a year of regular football would be able to, to increase his value. So for me, that's, that's another reason to, to put into all of this. Obviously, Klopp's talking him up. Part of that might be that he's trying to get more money for him in terms of, of how much he's going to be sold for. But I think you know that there is that there is a world as well where maybe he goes to Leipzig on loan or something for a season, puts in good numbers there, and then they're convinced to, to spend fifteen mm. to twenty million on him next summer that we're talking about. So I think that's probably a big part of, of it as well. I'm with you though. I don't think those comments necessarily put me in a position where I think anything other than a move away this summer might be ultimately what happens. If it was up to me, that wouldn't be the case. But equally, I appreciate that, you know, Fabio Cavallio might be looking at and thinking, well, there's X amount of players ahead of me in the pecking order. I can go to Leipzig, play in the Champions League, you know, play regularly in the Bundesliga. There's loads of examples of players who've gone over there from the Premier League and, and done yeah. well and then come back at some point. You can sort of see from his perspective why it might add up, but also I think obviously we're looking at it from a Liverpool perspective as a whole. I think it, it makes more sense for that to be at least for now a temporary thing and then maybe you reassess it next summer. But I'd like to think that even if it was a temporary exit this summer, by next summer he might have done enough and he might have exploded, like you mentioned before, to a point where Liverpool think actually he's jumped ahead of, of a couple of players because you know we're having a midfield conversation now, but... Next summer, Thiago contract is gone. Jordan mm. Henderson is another year older. There's still going to be midfield needs for Liverpool next summer, even if they bought, say, three this summer come in. There's still going to be you know, a bit of, of turnover next summer as well with that. So there are going to be opportunities. It's just a case of, of what the next season looks like for him. I think if if Liverpool are you know, really so reluctant to let him go that they will only sanction a loan deal, that makes the most sense for me in terms of, of getting him the most minutes. But... It's just a case of, of reassessing that, I think. And as we've sort of proven in the, the last 12 months, a year is is a very long time. And, and we're looking at him in a slightly different way, I think, compared to what we were you know, this time last year. Yeah, and I think it's also worth mentioning that when players go out on loan from Liverpool, they don't actually tend to have a future Anfield. Obviously, Harvey Elliott is, is an exception to that. But a lot of the time, when other players go, like you mentioned there, Matt, it is maybe more designed to raise their transfer value. And it's a thought that I had as well. It, it didn't make sense to sell Cavalio permanently now because his value is at a low ebb compared to even last year. Because, you know, 7.7 .7 million was the fee. <clears throat> but if he was under a long-term contract, that was a 25 million player. So in a way, his value's probably fallen in a certain way since last summer. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, the whole the transfer point is crucial too because there's going to be the same amount of players ahead of Cavalio 
but those players are going to be better players, maybe even more available players. So the outlook, in a way, even though three players have left, might actually be um, a little worse for for Cavalio. So you can definitely understand from his point of view why um, he might be willing to to leave the summer as much as it would be very hard because it, it has been a dream for him, like Klopp said. But yeah, we'll we'll leave it there for this podcast. Um, thanks very much uh, for listening, everyone, whatever platform you've joined us on. Um, I've been the host today, David Comerford, and I've been joined by the Liverpool.com editor, Matt Addison. And we'll be back next week. We're coming to the end now of, of the midfielders who are sort of on Liverpool's books already. Obviously, we'll hope a few more will arrive. So probably be touching on the captain, uh, Jordan Henderson, next week if you want to join us for that one. But yeah, in the meantime, take care and thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.